0: Welcome everyone to our services, not so much to listen to us as a church, but to listen to God's Word Spoken, lift out, witnessed by God's people So we welcome you here to a series, a very short series on prayer And why is that important? Once a year we do this To remind ourselves of the importance of prayer There's so much confusion about uh, prayer So much uh, lethargy about it so much uh, talk but so little practice and every year we want to get this right and we pray, especially during this COVID-19 we would be indeed challenged to get this area of our lives right with God. And so thank you for joining us. Let's begin our time by thinking through power. Who are the power brokers in this world? And um, who are we listening to? What are we listening to? What are we busying ourselves with out there, especially as we live in our world? There was a Straits Times article. Power in our world. Who and what are we listening to? What are we busying ourselves with? Because there's so much information out there, information overload, that we do not know whose voice actually we should listen to, and who is on our side, and whose side should we be on, on a particular issue here as we live on earth. A Straits Times article, Straits Times is the newspaper here, the national newspaper here in Singapore. Last year, had a headline and a huge article on something, a modern day phenomena. And what's a modern day phenomena? The internet, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the ever-evolving world, virtual world, that is making companies like Amazon and Facebook the richest companies in the world, Google, etc., so a modern-day phenomena are social media influences. And here in Singapore, they ran an article on influencers behaving badly. These are influences that in some countries, maybe huge countries like the UK, or huge countries like, like America or China or India, they could have millions of followers. But in a smaller nation like Singapore, a social influencer could have 300,000 people, 400,000 people, 700,000 followers. And they highlighted some in this article and that was the case of Priti Naya, her Anna brother, who put up a, a rap, a video of it or on video. And it, it crossed the lines of racial, religious sensitivities. And so they were, it contravened our local penal code. And so they were given a 24-month conditional warning by the police. Most recently, we are here in Singapore. Our DJ and YouTuber, um, Dean Bosch has been alleged to have acted inappropriately to, to young boys that he had influence over. and these are the things that when it hits the news, it grabs our attention and we follow it and becomes a huge national discussion and everybody jumps in. and we need to ask ourselves, are, are they worth listening to? Who is so important that we have to listen to them? So the media influences, they are most talked about they are actually, when you think about it, we don't really need them in our lives because if you and me are really in trouble personally, individually, how many of these so-called influences out there would come to our rescue? And we need to ask ourselves, as we listen to the voices out there crowding as an issue is raised by these prominent people on social media all around the world and locally here, need to ask, will they really help us? So what? I want to suggest to you that God tells us in His Word that the most neglected thing that is the most powerful thing is this whole exercise called prayer. This whole discipline called prayer. This whole experience called prayer. And why is this so important for us to get right? Because God is the most powerful mover in the world. From creation to providence to sustenance to saving us and God has told his people from the Old Testament to the New Testament that the most powerful influencer is actually the whole activity and experience of prayer and so in this message I'm going to cover why pray what to pray how to pray and then in the end so what? can we really believe this? that this is what God says more than any other influence and influencers out there who walk the corridors of power in reality or in virtuality? And so we begin our time. I'm going to give you a sampling of Bible passages to be looking at together. The first one is well-known and one that is well-known and well-loved, hopefully by the pastoral star, by our leaders more and more. Why pray? Lessons from Paul the Apostle. And he says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing Give thanks In all circumstances Why? Why rejoice always? Why pray without ceasing? Why give thanks in all circumstances? And here is the 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 thunder clap Here's the lightning reason For this is the will of God For you in Christ Jesus And related to this Do not quench the spirit So did you notice That God's will be asked What's God's will for me? Should Should I go to apply to this school? Should I go to this university? Should I start this relationship? Should I end this relationship? Should I live in this country? Should I migrate to a different country as COVID-19 strikes us? And God's will, macro will, meta-narrative will is God's will in the person of Jesus coming to save us. To save us from Satan, to save us from God's wrath, to save us from sin, to save us that we might be pleasing unto God and not God's enemies and so why pray according to Paul the Apostle? it's because prayer is at the heart of our relationship with God and the heart of relationship with God we will hear in the New Testament we pray to God the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ dying for us, rising for us and now seated at God's right hand interceding for us as God's eternal High Priest and we pray to God our Father through the finished work of the Son by the continuing presence and work of the Holy Spirit which means that if you and me are drawn to prayer it's because the person of the Spirit lives in your heart and my heart as we put faith in Christ Jesus notice true biblical prayer true Christian prayer in the end by the time we get to the New Testament and meet the Lord Jesus and live as God's children, no longer as God's enemies, is a thoroughly, completely Trinitarian experience. It's Trinitarian because we experience God the Father. We experience God the Son because we have the presence of the Spirit living in us. And that leads us to our second passage, which is so well known. It's called all around the world through 2,000 years, the Lord's Prayer. It actually should be the disciples' prayer. It's not a prayer that Jesus prayed for himself. It's a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray as all who would believe in him and follow him as Lord and as saviour of our lives. And this is found in different passages. But I highlight to you Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. So why pray? Lessons now from our Lord Jesus Christ himself, not simply from the apostle. Who would, from the apostles, who would teach what the Lord Jesus taught? Pray then like this Jesus taught us. And you may want to say this in your heart with me if you already believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And ever so often we should pray this and we will end our service, our time together, by praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our, our debts, as we also forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, I just want to summarize at the heart of this, because we've preached different sermons on the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. You can go and check our library. Our collection of sermons on this, and you'll find one from our church camp, one that I preached not too long ago. In Matthew 16 19, in prayer, who do we meet? What do we experience? In prayer, we meet a God who is willing and able to do what? A God who is willing and able, He's willing to be our Heavenly Father. Though from Genesis chapter 3, from the Garden of Eden, we all turned as rebels against Him and became enemies against God. As we read in Colossians, we were all hostile towards God and addicted to our life of idolatry. And this God is willing to be our Father. And then He wills us to be His children. How? Again, again and forever through the finished work of Jesus as Saviour and as Lord and as God, willing to be God and willing to be our Father and willing us to be His children. Did you read the story of this boy in America, nine-year-old Jordan? And nine-year-old Jordan came from a traumatic, abusive, broken family. And as a result of that, he has no Relationship with his biological family He's been shunted from one home to another home to another home And he's been in institutional homes all his life And then he let go a cry, he let go a plea All I want is a family All I want is somebody to call dad And somebody to call mum Can someone, can a couple just kindly adopt me? And because of his appeal thousands of Americans have written in to want to adopt him But there is a condition There's a caveat to adopting a person like Jordan Why? Because he comes from a broken home Because he's an abandoned child a traumatised child traumatised by the fallenness and the sinfulness of his parents It takes very special care for someone to be his father, for someone to be his mother. And Jordan has been crying out for eight to nine years. He's, he's willing for someone to be his father, but no one wants to be. You flip that around. God has been purposing that he would one day be the heavenly father to rebellious people who turn away from him. And not that one day we would just realise our folly and say, I come back to you, God, and call you Abba Father. No. The fatherhood of God is only access through the saviorhood of Jesus. And so, in the Lord's prayer, our disciples' prayer, we meet a God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, a God who is willing to be our Father, a God who wills us to be His children, a God who does that through the finished work of Jesus. So why pray? Why pray? So here's a picture of Jordan. All I want is a family. All I want is to be able to call someone my permanent father on earth, my permanent mother on earth. And look at that face and look at that that innocence and look at that cry in Him. All I want. You think of that. And you think of what God has done, the God who has come after us. It's not that we as children have gone after Him. A God who has come after us, even though all of us have turned and live our lives without Him. So why pray? At the heart of the whole practice of prayer and the whole purpose of prayer and the whole experience of prayer is basically trusting God and asking God who is willing and able to love us and make us his children, plucking us from being children of the devil, children of the world, and those two terms are used in scripture. When we are no longer children of God, there is only one alternative. We are children of the world and the world is under a fake temporal leader. His name is the evil one. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. There are no two ways about it. We are the children of God through Christ or children of the world and really children of the dark and the evil one. And so we are trusting and asking God who is willing and able to love us and make us His own family and He will do everything to keep us as His family while we wait for the glorious return of Jesus to bring us to our eternal home, the new heavens and the new earth. And so, Basically, when we pray, we are trusting and asking God who is willing and able to make us His children and keep us His children until He returns, no matter what the opposition against us, no matter what the persecution against us, no matter what the fears against us, no matter what the accusations against us. And so we have to trust God as a person for there to be prayer. We have to trust that God has a good purpose for your life and my life and that is to save you at all and any cost. And God has saved us at the greatest cost at the cost of His Son paying the penalty for our sin. And God's power to do so is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, His resurrection from the dead and now Jesus praying for us, interceding for us that we would always remain the children of God. So let me ask you, You've been praying. But the whole activity of prayer, the whole experience of prayer must be undergirded by, do you trust God? You trust Him as a per- person? You trust His purposes for you? You trust he, that He has the power to carry out His purposes? We run marriage preparation retreats and it's for dating couples, seriously dating couples, the couples who just started dating initially and we ask of you if you are on that journey please come to our marriage preparation classes or marriage preparation retreats, (MPRs) as we call them and a simple question to ask ourselves especially for the girls, the women is uh, what do you look for in a man? What do you look for in a man? The combination of good looks and good heart what do you look for in a man is you ask yourself the bottom line question from beginning to end do you trust him? Do you trust him as a person? Do you trust his purposes for you? That this man is going to look after you and your welfare. That he's really other person-centred and not self-centred all the way from his personhood to his pleasures to his uh, position in life. So if you don't trust him as as a person, you don't trust his purposes and you don't trust that he has the power, the, the commitment, the willpower to do things to bless you, then you can stop dating him now, right now it's all built on trust. We do not pray, we should not pray, if we do not trust. And so the whole experience of prayer is the experience of trusting God as a person for His purposes and His power to deliver us as His people, His holy people, for His holiness forever and ever. What to pray? In this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, what we call the Disciples' Prayer, we are to pray about two things. Firstly, about God's glory. Because prior to knowing God, prior to being given the licence, the authority to call God Abba Father, our Father, through the work of Jesus Christ in the present presence of the Holy Spirit, prior to that, your life and my life was lived for your name, your kingdom, your will. I've quoted this many times, you read the commentary by John Stott, wonderful preacher, wonderful pastor, written so many books, blessed so many through time. We came to know Pastor John through our work, through Scripture Union. And in his commentary on, on this, he would say, yeah, many of us still prayed the Lord's Prayer. We start, right? Our Father in heaven, then we go wrong. Hallowed be my name, my kingdom come, my will be done, in my marriage in my family in in our ministries in our church in our work in our business so the only thing we get right is our father in heaven please stay there and the rest of it is it's all about me about my name my kingdom my will is that you and that's why your married life is your marriage is on the rocks because it's your name versus your wife's name is your wife's kingdom versus your kingdom, it's your will versus the children's will, it's the children's will versus your will, and it's your will versus your parents' will, and it goes on. When we live this way, friends, it's totally inglorious. So in coming to know Jesus, we change glories. It's a substitution of our glory, a dying to self-glory, and now the pursuit, the and growing and endless and delightful pursuit of God and His name and His kingdom and His will, which is what Jesus came to usher in. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Enough of the kingdom of Satan. Enough of the kingdom of this world. Enough of you being king of your life. Whatever you want to do, you do. Whatever you say, you say. And that's why you mess up each other. I mess up in my life. You mess up in your life. And then we pray about our concerns outside the Garden of Eden, what we will eat and drink and wear. So God is willing to help us as his children, you believe that? And why is he willing to help us as his children? because God is able, is willing to be our Father, He is able to do anything as our father for the children's good. and he's done the greatest thing by paying the highest price of His Son for us. Now, anything under the banner of His Son, He will do for our holiness and our godliness. He will do for our salvation and our sanctification. And so, because we are in a father-son relationship, we should pray with, hey, quite simple, we should pray with childlike dependence. And so, our pilgrimage of prayer, it's like this. Our pilgrimage of prayer, we go from praying childish prayers. And what are childish, ignorant prayers? Childish, ignorant prayers is when you and me either have just begun on our walk with God. We are newbies to this in our spiritual life of belonging to God. We don't know what we need. We don't know what we want. We don't know what's good. We don't know what's bad for us. But God being our Father, and us new to Him, right? Us new to Him, He is able to understand and accept our childish press. You ever seen a child ask for things? You ever seen, a, ever seen children throw a tantrum? I want that chocolate. I want that ice cream. I want to play this. Coco didn't share this with me. Titi didn't share this. Maymay did this to me. I want her toy. I want... To... And it just goes on. And sometimes when we are new spiritually, we do not know what we need, we do not know what we want, we confuse our needs and our wants, and we do not know what is good, and we do not know what is harmful to us. And so friends, but you have to be comforted that we have our heavenly Father who has loved us into his kingdom and is big enough to accept this ignorant childish prayers, but. He doesn't want to keep us there. And then in our pilgrimage of prayer, we will move from what we call childish, ignorant prayers to more twin prayers, teenage prayers. And in our twin prayers, we become more iffy with our prayers. We can pray this kind of prayers, but not expectantly. For these things, God has not promised clearly in Scripture. He hasn't promised this clearly in His Word, the Bible from the Old to the New Testament. So we are not to pray this demandingly for what God has not promised. And what might fall into this category, if we pray? Can we pray for every sickness to be healed? We can pray, we must pray, because we have a loving Heavenly Father. But can every sickness be healed? The answer is, may not be. Sometimes we pray and we recover from illnesses sometimes we pray and there is no recovery from that illness and I'll speak more about it later and this is when we have to distinguish more and more between the good and the best and if he prayers God did not promise that you would get into a certain primary school God did not promise that you would get into a certain course that you would definitely be a lawyer do not pray that because half the people who, who get into law law faculty and graduate stop being lawyers after three to five years or five to ten years here in Singapore or around the world so be careful what you pray so don't give up on your Christian faith because you didn't get into medicine you didn't get into law you didn't get into whatever degree you wanted to get into some of us pray prayers I want that relationship so much he, she's a beautiful sister in Christ she's a wonderful brother in Christ but how come the relationship didn't culminate itself in marriage There was a position I wanted, there was a promotion I wanted in in my job. And as far as I could see, it was a good job, a good job in which if I rose to the top, I would have the responsibility to bless hundreds of people, thousands of people in that job. Why did I not get that position? Why did I not get that person? Why did I not get that pleasure? And so these are iffy prayers because God never promised you these things specific in His Word. But this can be now, we can move on. So from our childish prayers where we're ignorant about, iffy prayers that we don't know, that it's truly God's will that you get this or that position, person, pleasure, power. But these are things that we are very clear in Scripture. If we pray for salvation, and we must pray for salvation, it doesn't mean every single person we pray for will be saved. But God tells us to pray, as we just learned in Colossians. Paul says, pray for open doors that I might carry on preaching the gospel. And I will pray for you that your conversations will be seasoned with salt. Right? Will be indeed memorable. It will stand out conversations that will draw people to Christ and draw people to God. And so pray salvation prayers you longing for your father to know Jesus, you longing for your brother, you longing for your son, your daughter who has drifted so far away since they were on fire for God in your fellowship, keep praying these insistent prayers. They are very important. If you pray for love, God will give you love. Even in the most unloving circumstances, even to the most unlovable people, maybe in during cabin fever, right now, You're finding as you live with close quarters, things are getting really hot under the collar. You pray not to leave that marriage. You pray not to break up that family. You pray to be equal to the task of love. You pray for love and God will download that love for you, bite by bite, incident by incident. Ask for it and God will give you the next dose of love for the unloving circumstance and the unlovable person. You pray for forgiveness. As Jesus taught us to pray, forgiveness is not an option, it's not negotiable. It's a kingdom lifestyle, it's a Christian lifestyle. We will fail people and people will fail us in life. And it's very important we pray. You pray for forgiveness as we just learned in Colossians. We will experience forgiveness and it's two-way traffic. We pray for wisdom in this world. We pray for deliverance from Satan and deliverance from, from temptation. Oh, this was taught by Jesus Himself as we just read. We pray for perseverance to last from the beginning of our spiritual life to the continuation of our spiritual life to the ending of our spiritual life. These are things we can pray expectantly. We can almost demand this and say that God, You promise in Your Word that if we prayed for these things, it will be given to us. And so, these are childlike prayers. These are not childish prayers. And we can move on from childish prayers to childlike prayers. So the only reason we pray is we have to balance, discern and balance. With You pray because you want things and people to change. And when things and people do not change, you pray to accept that this is your lot in life. So one of the hardest things about prayer is how much and how long to pray for change and how soon do we move into the area and zone of contentment and there are dangers here that we should avoid extremes here that we should avoid and what should we avoid if we pray only to be contented after a while we dare not pray if we do pray we never pray for any change anymore even though we still presume and call ourselves Christians or churches, that means we have become functional atheists. In name, right, in name, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, in name we are churches, but in substance, functionally, truly, I actually don't believe that God is going to change anything in the world, anything in in Singapore, He's not going to change anything in, my, in the economy He's not going to change anything about COVID-19 as we pray for it He's not going to change anything in my life in my family, in my marriage Have you become a functional atheist? When we pray we must believe that this God is willing and able to do things for us if it involves our salvation for His glory So pray friends this is the delicate balance. If we only, on the other hand, if we switch and we keep praying only for change, especially for, Lord, please change my wife, please change my, my husband, please change my daughter, please change my, my father, please change my boss, In that, keep changing my bosses because every boss is bad, every person above me is bad because I'm the perfect employee. Right? If we keep praying for change, then God becomes a magician. He's just performing magic for you that whenever life gets tough and rough, change everybody. But seldom do we pray for the number one, God, please change me. Please change me. Please change me and the way I interpret circumstances and interpret people. And the way I interpret circumstances and interpret people has been mistaken up to this point. Please change me as I not just interpret but I respond to the circumstances and respond to people around me, often prematurely and often mistakenly. How often have you done that? That you reached the wrong conclusions about me. You reached the wrong conclusions about your father. You reached the premature conclusions about your mother. Too soon. My mother is always like that. There's no hope for her. If I lined up people whom God has changed, here in ARPC it will be endless and that's because we must believe in this and one line of people whose circumstances haven't changed but God has changed their attitude their circumstances there would also be a long endless line and so part of childlike prayer is moving from childishness to childlikeness and discerning when do I pray for change and when do I stop praying for change and learn to be content. That this is not God's second choice life for me. This is not God's second choice job for me. This is not God's second choice spouse for me. And these are surely not my second choice children as compared to other people's children. These are God's first choice. He didn't make a mistake in my life. Is that you? Is that me? Two weeks ago, I just... Had an operation for hernia, and I thank you for your prayers, and it's your your prayers that have helped in this healing. And see, I'm bouncing back to fullness of life. And then, a group very kindly gave us a staycation, and I've come back refreshed. And part of that refreshment was me going for my power, power walk, prayer walk, power walk, prayer walk, and that power walk, prayer walk is, do I really believe that Lord? that everything you have given me is first choice, beginning with salvation, that I don't deserve this, beginning with my spouse and my children and my church. They are all your first choices, beginning with, is, is that you? Is that me? Many of us are still walking around with discontentment in our hearts because we think that God has dealt us a wrong card somewhere along the line. It wasn't even my second choice. It wasn't even my third choice. It wasn't a choice I ever wanted in my life. But you've got to believe that God as your heavenly Father and Jesus as your Lord never mistakes with prayers and answers to prayer. And so in the Bible reading that was read out from Philippians, right, you know that wonderful phrase that we memorise as scripture? Right, I can do all things In Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And oftentimes that is taken a little bit out of context or way out of context because we think, I didn't study the whole term. I didn't study the whole semester. But I'm going to put in three days of study, Lord, and I can do all things through You who strengthens me. I didn't exercise, O Lord, but I think, I can pass the IPPT. I didn't exercise a lot. I didn't prepare myself, but I think I can run the half marathon without enduring my body. I can do all things through Christ. It's all out of context, of course. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Is not a statement of capability. It's a statement of contentment. Because by the time Paul writes about it, there in chapter 4, He says, I've learned to be contented whether I have a lot, I have plenty, or whether I have none, I'm I'm in want. I've learned to be content even now as I sit in prison, abandoned by many, but finally remembered by you, Philippian Christians. So, prayer is not a blanket that I can do all things impossible physically, capability, when I haven't prepared myself for it by irresponsibility and then by just claiming this Bible verse, it's a statement of contentment Very important to get that correct So what does it mean for us to grow up as God's people here in ARPC, Adam Road Presbyterian Church or Always Reaching People for Christ, ARPC or in your church or in your fellowship Can I plead for us? That we have this vision, and God has given us a third venue in which to do our ministry of gospel preaching and godly living to bear witness to Christ. That we develop ourselves, grow, nurture ourselves in prayer. And in a day, there could be daily prayer moments. And then in a week, there could be a weekly prayer day, just set apart a sizable proportion of that day. Could be that Sunday, could be that Saturday evening, could be that Friday night in which you just go and do this prayer walks. And once a year when you take your holidays, when life resumes back, normalcy from COVID-19, why don't we have a yearly prayer retreat? Just that whole retreat we spend, that whole holiday, we spend substantial time in prayer. Now that we are on a break here in our discipleship groups, I've given the instruction to our discipleship group leaders, right? Why don't we, this next two weeks, just saturate our time with prayers and can I highly suggest we invert our prayers? Because prior to this, we moved from childish prayers to teenage prayers. Now we understand that childlike prayers is praying for the things clearly in Scripture. And clearly in Scripture, you can turn God's Word into God's will. And you saw a beautiful example of that, a marvelous example of that, when Pastor Tansen Kun who led our service today, prayed through actually four chapters of Colossians. Actually, we teach our pastors and our service leaders, this is how we pray God's Word to God's will. God's Word becomes God's will through the activity and experience of prayer. You pray for Colossians chapter 1. You pray to live a life that is worthy of God, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in everything. You pray for Christ to be supreme, Colossians 1, 15-20. You pray to be rooted and built up in Him in chapter 2. You pray then, if you are rooted and built up in Christ, continuing in Him, you'll be able to discern every false teaching that comes and say there's another way to be safe, another thing to find security in. Then you pray, Colossians chapter 3, that since then we've been raised with Christ, we died with Him, we are raised with Him, spiritually in status, given a new passport. We are to seek the things where Christ is seated at God's right hand. We are to put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. We are to put on the new nature, Christ's compassion, Christ's humility, Christ's meekness, above all His forbearance, above all we have to put on love. And so you pray through Scripture, God's Word will become God's will in your life. You pray for open doors, and you pray for conversations seasoned with salt. Stand out, drawing people to Him, and people will be drawn to Him. So we run Discovery Christianity here. We run Just for Newcomers. We're so encouraged that even to COVID-19, and we run Just for Newcomers, which is a three-month course that we're going to run online. Introduction to the Bible, a Gospel then we introduce you to the person of Jesus, then we introduce the seven disciplines of the Christian life. Prior to that, we are discovering Christianity and people heard about this and they heard about this and people sign in from overseas to discover more. Why is Jesus the way, the truth and the life? When we pray for open doors, even though they are shut doors to physical meetings, they are open doors, family and friends coming to know ARPC, coming to know a church, coming to salvation, coming to grow in their Christian life, coming to grow in their marriages and their families, coming to grow in their ministries, because we pray God's word into God's will. If we pray this, insistent prayers, these are sure answer prayers, God will surely answer them. And then let us turn our anxieties into prayer. In Philippians 4, the Bible passage that was read, we do not worry about anything, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we are to present our request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses our human understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. You know, the word God will like garrison. It's like the most powerful, most trained Roman soldiers guarding us. If you are guarded by a Roman soldier, you are safe the peace of god guarding us so we are to worry about nothing pray about everything why because worry is a pagan thing worry is a sinful activity worry is sin against god not trusting god as creator not god trusting god as provider not trusting god as sustainer not pr- trusting god as redeemer not pr- trusting god in any area of life and prayer is now the vaccine You have to worry about nothing, pray about everything. There are many, many things to be worried about. Those who are studying do not know whether they'll graduate into jobs. Those who are studying overseas do not know whether they can go back and finish their courses. They'll finish their courses online. And those who are working do not know whether they have jobs to go back to whether, how long the jobs will last, there's so many worries. Let's turn every every time your mind thinks, I should worry, I should pray. Instinctive repentance. I'm tempted to worry, I now pray. I'm tempted to worry, I now... It is prayer for worry. Every worry, every worry, one prayer. Every worry, one prayer. Each worry, one prayer. Finally, the Holy Spirit, and prayer. Allow me to read this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. And not only the creation, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This was read out to us for our Bible reading. And what's so important about this? Because we cannot speak about prayer apart from the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here in Romans chapter 8, I can only but summarise, Paul tells Christians there, Roman Christians, they will suffer. It's non-negotiable that they will suffer. We will suffer. And as we suffer, we really need the presence of the Spirit and the practice of prayer. And so in a nutshell, What Paul says in this majestic passage is this. Creation groans. Why why groan? Groaning is we know deep in our spirits, we know deep in our hearts, this is not who we are meant to be. This is not the world is meant to be. This is not life is meant to be. It's Jordan's groaning. I was supposed to have a father. I was supposed to have a mother. I was supposed to have a family to share lunch and dinner, to share how uh, a game of baseball felt like, how it was like to go to school, how it was like to, to pass the exam, but I've got no one. We groan because we live outside of God's presence. We live. And so the whole of creation groans. But then Paul will say, we as the sons and the daughters of God, we groan that though we belong to Christ, our Saviour, we are saved, but we wait for full redemption, to be glorified when we are given glorified bodies and we will live unhindered in the presence of God. And then the Spirit of God groans because the Spirit of God lives within us. And sometimes our prayers are hit and miss. Sometimes we will pray childish prayers, don't know what we need, don't know what we want. Sometimes we'll pray teenage prayers, we can't distinguish between the good and the best, spot on target, will of God for me and so if we do pray just go for illness which is God's will for my father who is suffering this terminal illness to live a few more years or for God to take him to glory which is God's will after a while you do not know what to pray you know not what to pray should we pray this COVID-19 to to last as long as God wants it to last or should we just pray that it will come to an end the soonest, so that life will get back to normal. Which should we pray? Only the Spirit of God knows the difference between the ideal, what it should be, and what it is now. And prayer is always to close the gap between or prayer is to supply the the stairway between what it is now, the reality of suffering, and what it should be, a world without Satan's sin, a world without tears, a world without illnesses, a world with no more disease and decay and finally death. And so it is the spirit groaning on our behalf with words that we cannot understand that will take us there. So our suffering, our groaning, and prayer and the spirit, this side of heaven I think we are told in scripture, beginning of what Paul tells us in Romans 8, we may suffer broken relationships, we may suffer bruised hearts, we may suffer battered bodies from persecution, as we live with persecution, seduction, opposition and division within the church as Satan comes after us, even as we believe in Jesus. But what is the majestic message? The challenge of groaning in the midst of suffering We must never get used when our circumstances become hard. We are tempted to be hardened by our circumstances and bitter to God when we suffer. And Paul says, because you have the Spirit and because you can pray led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, you must pray never to be hardened by your circumstances. You must never become bitter towards God. Hardened by circumstances, bitter towards god i remember this one of our leaders in our varsity fellowship when i was first converted we heard the news he had drifted away from the christian life something had happened in his family do not know what had happened His father had an illness father died parents suffered he was struggling to make ends meet and so two or three of us went to speak to him as we went to speak to him he reluctantly dis- said yes to meeting with Him finally after all those appeals to say that Jesus is Lord and please don't drift away. And throughout the whole meeting, He just sat there and just puffed a cigarette in our face and, and all that you're saying to me is nonsense. Sometimes the disappointments in life, we may be hardened by our circumstances, bitter towards God, I'm bitter towards God's people. When life doesn't turn out, the should be doesn't match what it really is at the moment. And that's what Romans 8 is all about. What is it all about? Who can separate us from the love of God? Who can separate us from the love of God? And Paul's answer is nothing and no one. No foe can prevail against us. So the spirit of God is in us to soften us to God's sovereignty, that no matter what happens, we keep looking to Jesus. No matter what happens, because Jesus is the ultimate display that God is sovereign over His Church, that despite Satan and men's worst intentions, God's best outcome is guaranteed for His people. So pray, so groan, and trust in the Spirit to groan our behalf. And Romans 8 declares this, there'll become many moments of suffering and groaning in a believer's life. But the suffering, the groaning, the accusation, the fear, sometimes we say, it's killing me. But no matter what, though it feels like it's killing us, Paul declares, no foe can prevail against us. No charge can be sustained against us. No power is strong enough to rest us, to take us from God's hands, loving hands, loving palms, nothing could separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. That's why we need, whenever we talk about prayer, to never forget the person, the presence, and the power of the Spirit groaning on behalf of every child of God and the Church of God. We will arrive safely in the new heavens and the new earth. We will arrive securely, no matter how many more COVID-19s or COVID-20s hit us. God's invincible determination is nothing is going to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You believe that? You believe that, then we believe that we are winners in Christ, we are not losers and bringing anything or anyone in prayer to God through Christ by the Spirit will finally change everything. God is the most powerful mover. Prayer is the most powerful influencer. Not governments, not rulers, not social media influencers. God is the most powerful mover through the work of His Son by His Spirit. And the prayer is the most powerful influencer. Do you believe that? I pray so for myself and for you. Stories told. You know, we've heard of people doing miraculous things and miraculous painters who lost the use of their hands because we paint with our hands, and people who paint with their mouths, people who paint with their feet, with their toes. But this is the first time I've read of this. I read of London-based Sarah Ezekiel. And London-based Sarah Ezekiel, she was 34 years old, pregnant with the second child, when she noticed some weakness in her left arm and then some slurring of her speech. Within months, she she was diagnosed with ALS, a motor neuron disease. And soon, she became totally paralyzed from the neck downwards, no ability to paint with toes, no ability to paint with mouth and she has always had the artist in her, the giftedness in her and she's been waiting to paint and she's now finally able to use her gift, her love and the passion for painting though she's totally immobilized from mouth downwards She now paints with her eyes because she has been waiting for technology that's able to translate her eye movements into actual movements and she won an international prize for this for her paintings that were painted solely by her eye movements that were translated into actual paintings What powerful technology is that? What great power is that? We don't have to wait for technology to be powerful. Because Jesus has gone to heaven, He will return. We have a mission to live holy lives and to draw people into His kingdom. And that power is availed through His Spirit. That power is availed through the Spirit empowering us to pray. Brothers and sisters in Christ, can I encourage us to avail this power, tap it, and our lives personally and our lives collectively will never be the same again. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Allow me to pray. Then we're going to sing a song that captures the beauty of praying. That prayer is a work we must do as part of pleasing God and fulfilling His mission. We bow before You, Lord of heaven and Earth, and want to trust in You as a person and trust in Your purposes and trust in Your power for us as Your people. We thank You. We have now every right to call You Abba Father to the finished work of Jesus and the ongoing work of Your Spirit. And we pray to repent from prayerlessness in our life we ask to hear your word afresh and from all the verses we have read from 1 Thessalonians 5 to Matthew chapter 6 to Philippians 4 the nuggets of spiritual truth just spurring us enlightening us of the necessity of prayer may you lead us to experience you as never before and we pray that this will bring glory to Jesus And glory to your name. We ask always, believing in Jesus. Amen.